2: Hello everyone and welcome to this midweek edition of the La Liga Lowdown podcast. My name is Tom Harris and I'm happy to be joined by Paco Pullet to dissect the Copa del Rey quarterfinal action. Now Paco, unfortunately you've just come back from Valencia's 3-1 defeat to Athletic Club and I'm sure you have lots and lots to say about that, but <laughs> just generally very interesting four games. We know our semi-finalists now, so Athletic Club joined Osasuna. Real Madrid and Barcelona in what is a very, very interesting looking Final Four. How did you enjoy the games in general before tonight?
0: Well, I think that the level that we've seen, the football level I'm talking about, in, the both, in all four games, I believe, has been pretty decent, you know, for all of the expectations that we had after the World Cup and thinking about how the teams would try to tackle... Uh, very, very demanding uh, January month with plenty of games and, you know, trying to change their pe- their pace with Barca, Madrid, Valencia. Also playing that uh, Spanish Super Cup in Saudi Arabia, later uh, coming back, playing La Liga games in the middle. Um, you know, earlier rounds, uh, only a week ago, a couple of weeks ago. Um, I think that overall they have done a, a great job. I, be- I believe that um we're going to to delve deep on all of the analysis but um real sociedad suffered the harshness of the of the you know uh red cards uh, which brysman saw and that was the the toppling issue uh that uh, marked their their demise against barca i didn't think barca were much better than real sociedad they they did very very well and it was more or less a level a level game um Real Madrid once again coming from behind. Uh, everyone thought that Atletico had the game uh, inside their pocket, and suddenly uh, another great comeback by Real Madrid. Something which we, by the way, we spoiled a couple of weeks ago in this podcast. And um, yeah, Valencia disappointing once again. Atletico Club were through and through the best team and the better team in the in in this matchup. And uh, in my view, the best game was uh, the Osasuna Sevilla one because of all of the. Uh, you know twists and turns and the atmosphere that we saw in Osasuna's ground in El Sadar, um, and also every single time that we have this kind of story of Cinderella story with the little team who are able to you know move on to the next round without being the favorites and by being the underdog, I think Osasuna did a massive job. A great game they had a great game against Sevilla, who on their behalf are still you know reeling and suffering and um, you know having a really really rough season so far
2: yeah really tough one for Sevilla particularly as they equalized in the 96th minute and then no one one and concede in the ninth minute of additional time to update his Azuli so another hammer blow for Sevilla in this very very difficult season for Jorge Sampaoli but yeah without further ado let's jump into Valencia versus the athletic club Paco obviously a very disappointing result for yourself as, as a Valencianista you very vocal on twitter about the lack of shots that valencia had during the game particularly in the first half and it only really took until kind of 70 80 minutes when they started to attack and shoot so what do you think Paco? do you think this was a case of valencia crumbling under the pressure do you think athletic club stifled valencia was it was it
0: catuso's tactics where do you you think the root of the problem was here today the main issue was that uh, athletic club were uh team and Valencia weren't. And I think that is more or less the, the best way to sum up what, what happened. I think that the sheer dominance of uh, Athletic club happened since uh, the first minute till the 96th. And nobody can challenge that kind of statement. I think that Ernesto Valverde uh, was by far the best manager. He you know he he took uh, a Gattuso gatuso to school in many ways with the high pressure the the high intensity by by athletic club and also i think that the play style which gatuso has tried to implement in in valencia has ultimately backfired on him because sometimes you just are unable to play the ball from the back and you need to find more alternatives to to that you need to find other methods to make the ball to arrive to the uh, offensive um, spots of the ground and uh, Valencia were just unable to do so and actually there was um, you know a moment in the first couple of minutes in the second half where suddenly you know I, I think it was a-, a decision taken by the, the manager and and told on to the players and passed on to the players and Mamardas really make made these kind of gestures to all of the all of the defenders to just go forward because he was going to set the ball on the ground and and just kick the ball as, as hard as possible as far as possible and try to play a long ball instead of trying to play from the back and and uh, build up the 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 chance or the play from from behind and that was more or less a a moment where you know the fans suddenly began clapping in <clears throat> it was more or less a a humorous way of of taking in that ultimately Atuso was trying to turn his back on his own style because he was seeing that it wasn't working and actually in the last couple of games well actually in the last 10 games for valencia with a couple of exceptions here and there the spanish super cup valencia have had a you know have suffered a severe identity crisis in the in their play style in their attitude in their confidence in the both in the physical shape in the uh both scoring generating chances and as you said i think that uh in some in some games stats are you know tricky and on on the neutral viewer and can uh fool you into thinking that the game went this way when it actually uh, was the other way around but in this game in particular stats were like spot on on what happened valencia had I believe only one shot on target, as you said. It happened in the 78th, 79th minute. And it had to endure in my radio station, obviously. 79 minutes of Valencia being just unable to generate chances. Actually, Valencia's goal was an own goal. After an incredible run by Mokhtar de on the on the wing, uh, he crossed the ball and the and, uh, uh, Athletic uh, club player was the one to just uh, deflect the ball into, the, into their own goal. But... You know, only one minute later, Atletic Club scored the second one. So overall, I think that the that the score was sh- sure, deserved 100% for Atletic Club. They were far better than Valencia. And mostly, I believe that Valencia are in trouble, not only for being knocked out of Copa del Rey, which they got last season, remember, into the, the final. They squeezed into the final after beating, precisely, Atletic Club in the semi-finals not only getting knocked out is a problem but the main issue is that this club is just crumbling down in every single aspect in every single side in every single area of the of the institution the the board the the sports direction the manager the staff the squad and even the fan base you know once again the fan base uh, responded to uh, Valencia's plea of help they they uh, asked Valencia fans to just go to Mestalla and uh, take Mestalla to a full attendance on a Thursday night with plenty of cold over here in Valencia and the fans once again did it and uh, you know the reward for them was possibly one of the worst games of the year so in that sense I understand definitely understand and i totally agree with many of uh you know mm, of their complaints and and of their of their claims that Valencia really deserve much much better
2: yeah I mean if you want to have a look at some of those scenes Paco's Twitter so at Paco Polit, uh, there's there's a lot of videos and, and, and really alarming things that were going on outside the stadium and after the game it's 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 a real mess over there at the moment unfortunately and just looking at what Cartuso came out to say after the game, one of his standout quotes really was, you know, that the objective now for the rest of the season is to reach 40 points. This is yeah. the reality, is what he said. I mean, I can you imagine this is disappointing to hear from a Valencia fan, but it is, you know, he's being realistic. Is, is, that, is that actually all Valencia can do in this situation?
0: Definitely so. I believe that the season is over for Valencia already. You know, the best-case scenario, they are able to win three, four, five more games and, and reach those 40 points that Gatuso said and, uh, you know, call it a day. But, uh, you know, actually, the next game against Valladolid becomes severely crucial for Valencia because Valladolid are now sitting, I believe, in in the low uh, three spots of the standings, only 17 points. Valencia have 20. If Valladolid, who have lost, I believe, five or six games in a row, five games in a row, I believe. If Valladolid are able to beat Valencia, suddenly they are level in the in, in the standings. 20 points apiece. Once you are, you know, in the in the you reach the halfway point of the of the season. So uh yeah I think that things are looking bleak for Valencia. I don't really believe that Gatuso is to blame. Obviously he has many failures as a manager and many uh, you know issues and problems which he should try to solve, but ultimately, then the main issue lies on 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 the top of the pyramid, on uh, on the board of direction, on on the sports direction, and obviously on the ownership. I, I think that as long as Peter Lim is is the the owner of Valencia's uh, largest uh, percentage of shares, um, the the model isn't going to change. the the project isn't really going to shift uh to something much more you know uh, appropriate for what valencia history really deserves and uh, valencia are doomed to suffer season after season after season regardless of the manager regardless of Gattuso playing uh you know attractive football or jose bordalas uh you know uh betting everything on on champagne football as i often call it, you know, more defensive play style, more cagey, um, Javi Gracia also uh, didn't succeed, um, Albert Celades was a failure too, it really doesn't matter what manager comes over here, because as long as the squad is so weak, the investment is zero so far, remember Valencia have signed zero players in the transfer market uh, this winter, even though the manager has stated many, many times that Valencia actually needed the players, but nothing happened, so... As long as this kind of uh, mismanagement continues, Valencia have not kind no kind of salvation so far. So best case scenario, as you said, as you said earlier, uh, and Gatuso said earlier, forty points, call it a day, and we'll think about next season. But yeah, the reality is that we haven't even ended January, and Valencia fans are already, uh, you know, um, thinking about the 23-24 season, which is. So, so disappointing that there's actually no words to, to describe it.
2: Yeah, very unfortunate for Valencia. But on the other hand, we have to congratulate Athletic Club for reaching their fourth consecutive semifinal yeah. in the Copa del Rey. I mean, what an achievement. That is absolutely incredible. And, you know, doing well in the league as well in eighth place, just a couple of points off the top four. Really, really good performance from then. Iker Muniain back in the squad and looking really, really good as well. They so. played
0: very, very well overall. Mm-hmm. I think they were very, very confident in every single thing they did throughout. Um, uh, I don't know from the back four, uh, the midfield. They dominated the game from 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 beginning to end. And also, as you said, Iker Muniain playing once again. Um, Berenguer also, um, you know, Iñaki Williams, Nico Williams, both of them. Uh, being able to to you know generate chances and generate danger, I don't know their their game was was almost perfect. I think that only that mistake at the back with that Diakavi impressive run and and surprise uh, was able to to actually uh, uh, score a goal against them. But as for the rest, they were very very proficient against Valencia.
2: Yes, very, very good indeed. I mean, before we go into the break, packer, we, we did actually have another game tonight and it was a Madrid derby. Um, yeah. You know, perhaps overshadowed by by the, the scenes outside the Mestalla tonight. But 3-1 in the end um, to Real Madrid. And as you alluded to before on the pod, packer we, we were talking about Real Madrid and a potential crisis yeah. just a couple of weeks ago. And you said, no, Real Madrid, they're Real Madrid for a reason. I know. Now I know exactly them too done. well.
0: Yeah, I know them too well. I've been grown used to this kind of, you know, reactions from Real Madrid every every time we see uh, any kind of big disappointment, like uh, what happened with the with the Spanish Super Cup against Barca, the way they were thrashed. Okay, it was obviously not their best night, but mm, eventually Real Madrid are able to, uh, you know, turn things around, even when they are not at their best. And uh, tonight was another example of that. You know, Atletico were more or less confident throughout the game, um, being able to score first, being able to generate some chances. And actually, I think that uh, mid-second half, they had a couple of them, which were, you know, the chance to kill the game, definitely, to score the second one and and put the game to sleep. But they missed. They missed because of their choices, of because, you know, some technical mistakes. I don't know. Overall they had the chance to kill the game. They left Real Madrid breathing and that is something which you eventually pay uh, you know forever. And that's what happened. Real Madrid being able to score in the in the 75th minute I believe, Rodrigo with an amazing goal, an amazing goal. The way he, you know, dribbled past I believe three opponents and his finish with the exterior of the of his foot um right to the bottom of the of the post it was impossible for Jan Oblak and that goal you know shifted the the momentum of the game suddenly and and once we went into the into the extra time it was clear that Real Madrid would uh be the ones to get the upper hand and and that's what they did uh, i also have to point out all of the controversies surrounding uh what happened early in the morning with that uh, banner being uh hung in that banner being hung in one of uh, of Madrid's bridges, I believe, uh, near the the uh, road, uh, one of the biggest roads of the of the capital. Uh, you know, talking about Benzias with uh, that dummy with uh, Benzias' uh, shirt and number. Obviously, it's one of the most disgusting things I've seen, actually, in, in quite a, a long time. Um, And that's why uh, Bernabéu, uh, the the whole ground, were very supportive of Vinicius so far uh, during the game with plenty of of clapping, of applauding, of of cheering, of trying to to bring him to to his best. And uh, and actually Beneathius in the the latter part of the game really responded. And later we could see, actually read a, a while ago, a couple of tweets Vinicius talking about, uh, you know, Real Madrid's superiority in in Madrid, uh, talking about, uh, he said Madrid solo hay uno, todos lo saben, there's only one Madrid everyone knows, Uh, some kind of, you know, this as at Atletico, because uh, the first, uh, you know, uh, details of the investigation is talking about that possibly some of uh, Atletico Madrid's most radical fans are behind that banner being hung earlier today. But yeah, you know, always Benetius being the one to have his last word. Um, I don't think this is going to help him um, because he—it seems he he thrives in, in also in controversy. Okay, uh, but yeah, it was disgusting what happened earlier today, and I definitely not approve. And I think that the the police and the authorities should, should try to find out who did it. And as for the game. Once again, Atletico had the chance. Atletico left Real Madrid breathing and Atletico paid the price later in the game.
2: Yeah, I mean, how many times have we seen Carlo Ancelotti's substitutes mm. come on and work? Rodrigo, many again, times. Is, is one of the many players who seems to uh, deliver for him every time he brings him off the bench. And, and, and he was the one who eventually opened up the game. And for Atletico Madrid as well, that's now four red cards in their last seven games. Savic. Savic, well, two minutes was uh, between the two fouls. Um, Incredible, really. And that happened not long ago with uh, Mario Almorzo as well, I seem to remember. Two very quick fire yellow cards to equate to a red. Savic has played three games in 2023 and he's been sent off twice. So a bit of a discipline problem, perhaps, for Atletico Madrid at the moment. And... We're going to go on to talk about Osasuna in, in part two very shortly, but that's where Atletico Madrid traveled this weekend to El Sadar to take on Osasuna. And what a massive game that is because Osasuna yeah. are only three points behind. So yeah, crucial couple of days for Atletico Madrid.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think that you can definitely see some cracks on, on Simeone's uh, overall display in the, in the last uh, run of games. And I think that we might definitely been in his last uh, haul of games before uh, leaving Atletico Madrid. There's been many uh, criticism being uh, thrown his way. Obviously, Atletico are not playing this season uh, in the same way as as earlier ones. Um, Their consistency at the back is not the same. Even though Griezmann is having a great year so far, I, I think that they are finding trouble to really bring the games into the playground, the playground that they really enjoy. Yeah, those cagey games scoring ones defending uh, being solid at the back later having a counter scoring in the second call it a day we don't really see the typical atleti game uh, we haven't seen it for quite a while and i think that is frustrating simeone quite a lot i think that uh, he's trying to juggle things change things shift players around uh, giving opportunities to 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 other players with less minutes, but it doesn't really seem to click. And yeah, tonight was a great chance for them to change their you know momentum this season and try to uh, get to um, a final and try to touch sil- silverware, which is ultimately what every fan base uh, desires. But so once again, they I think they dropped the ball when they had the chance, and so far they only have La Liga. Uh, to to compete on, and I think that they will need to change many many things if they want to really regain that kind of consistency, uh, start winning games, um, achieving clean sheets, and and climbing the the spots in the in the standings. Because we are going to talk about them in a, in a few minutes. Real Sociedad seem very very strong at this point. And other teams might be, you know, lurking behind and trying to uh, um, begin an offense to kickstart an offense to try to snatch that fourth place. So if Atletico, um, you know, if they relax a bit, other teams are going to take advantage of it.
2: Yeah, and perhaps looking into the future, Diego Simeone could be one of those changes you were just alluding to there. So that's all for part one. Thanks very much, Paco, for all your insights, especially on Valencia. Always fascinating to hear your thoughts. We'll be back just after the ad breaks to talk about Real Sociedad versus Barcelona and Osasuna versus Sevilla. Hello and welcome back to this La Liga Lowdown midweek edition of our podcast. My name is Tom Harris. I'm joined again by Paco Pullet. You know, you mentioned it at the start of the show, Paco, but Osasuna versus Sevilla, probably your favourite of these Copa del Rey quarterfinals. We're looking at Osasuna and we talk about them a lot, but it is such a feel-good story, isn't it? Especially when you see the scenes that, El said, yesterday, one of the best stadiums, mm-hmm. one of the best supported teams. Chimi Avila was, was, looked like he was in tears when he scored that opening goal. Abdé Azalzuli with with a really nice finish and the crazy celebrations afterwards. This is their first Copa del Rey semi-final in eighteen years, so what an achievement that is! And yeah, they're just a great team to watch, aren't they?
0: Yeah, I think that the uh, the building blocks of Osasuna have been possibly one of the most consistent stories of the last six seven seasons so far. I, I might remember. I'm trying to recall. Uh, obviously, I don't have any kind of paper in front of me, but I believe that Braulio Vázquez got over there possibly in 2015, 20, yeah, 2014, 2015, I don't know. It was more or less that t- that time, like seven or eight years ago. And the way the management has had the patience to cherry-pick the reinforcements and the signings and the players who can be, uh, you know... Um, supportive of the club's present and ultimately helping them in the future uh because of their growth and also because of the chance of selling them ultimately because they have uh you know i don't know i was thinking about Mon- moncayola for example and uh those kinds of player Chini avila back in the day before he got injured in his knee uh barca were eyeing him for a massive transfer like Uh, a few months from from that point in time and unfortunately he got injured and he later recovered and right now he's one of the you know main um references of the of the team but the way Braulio Vázquez the, the sports director has been able to build upon success season after season always trying to keep their feet on the ground uh, not thinking about like massive signings, massive investments, but doing everything very smartly, very carefully, and thinking about every single piece of the puzzle. And in that sense, their growth can also obviously be um, uh, signed to what Jagoba Barrasate has been doing in the last few seasons. I think that kind of manager who comes, by the way, of that kind of Real Sociedad mentality back in the day, it's no coincidence that you see those kind of managers, Imanola Aguacil, Jago Barrasate, uh, Ernesto Valverde also, who really know their stuff. They really know their stuff from the ground up because they know the youth academy, they know the players who can be eventual prospects and, and successful uh, footballers for the, for the squads players who can give an immediate performance and eventually they can grow into into massive for for their side so uh, Valverde Arrasate Alguacil those managers are an a textbook example of what has to be done in La Liga in order to balance the football success with the management success and Osasuna I think is a is the perfect example you know this season they've been winning games quite a lot actually in La Liga they are fighting for european spots as you said earlier and in this game against the sevilla i think that they showed all of their growth in the past few seasons when tackling a a team who on paper sevilla has much better players than osasuna but the way they they you know they perform as a team at this point i think osasuna are much better and and you could see throughout the game the way they pressed the way they they were intense they were aggressive the the way they recovered the ball Osasuna had that kind of thrive and hunger in their eyes whereas for Sevilla everyone knows that they are struggling this season and and we could see it for in several moments of the game and after Chimi Avila was able to score in when with only 20 minutes to go I think the game was was done at that point I I, I thought the game was was um, you know won for for Osasuna. But it was, I would say, you know, aislada, um, as we say in Spanish. You know, it was a single chance in a way because uh, Sevilla were just like uh, headless chicken running here and there, trying to get the ball into the box, trying to, uh, you know, try to generate any kind of chance. It didn't really matter the way they did it, and in the city was the one to slot it in, in a in a massive goal for them with a ninety fourth minute um, draw. But then in the extra time, once again, even as Sasuna had, they had some problems physically, some players weren't 100% of their of their uh, physical performance. They just went and went and went on the offense. Once they recovered the ball, they always went on the counter. They tried defending with two uh, lines of four players apiece, uh, trying to recover the ball as fast as possible and, and go forward as quickly as possible. And that when, that's when they had two breaks and two counters they missed them and the third one Abde, who had made a mistake in in the in the ones in the one in the previous one he he scored a great goal you know the the way he is just running top speed and suddenly he uh, makes some at the beginning it seemed that he had made a mistake with the control of the ball but actually he did it on purpose he's like stopped the ball on its tracks and and uh, the momentum carried him a bit and he suddenly recovered control of the ball and and fired home and scored an incredible goal for for Sasuna. The celebration was amazing over there. As you said, the atmosphere was uh, just rowdy from the beginning and and actually quite happy for Sasuna because I think that whenever you work as hard as they do, whenever success comes around, you definitely have to be happy for these kind of examples.
2: Yeah, hundred percent agree. Really, really happy for Osasuna and and like you were saying with the squad. I mean, they they recently waved goodbye to Roberto Torres, who was there for ten years. And if you go through the squad, a lot of their players have been there for five, six, seven years. You know, yeah. and they, they've built a really steady foundation and. When you look at the transfer market, their record signing is Ante Budemir for 8.5 million. Their second highest ever signing is 3.5 million. So it's just, yeah. they've made one big signing really in their entire history and all the rest have just been really astute kind of loan signings, pickups and just, for example, Moy Gomez this season, he's been one of their best players and you yeah, know, no one else was really in for him, but he goes to Osasuna and, and fits perfectly.
0: It's a very, I would say, a very moneyable approach. I actually believe I'm going to have the chance to speak in the next couple of weeks with with Braulio Basket, and I'm going to ask him about this and I think that the the kind of 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 signings can be monibolesque in this in this sense because they always look into the stats their performance the 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 spending the always trying to eye for the perfect candidates in any single signing instead of just you know, going for it. And if I have to spend 10 million, let's go for it. No, they don't have that kind of money. So their signings need to be smart. It's not a choice. It's an obligation. And, and, and they do it in, in, in a way which is uh, definitely 100% working for them. So um, I think that if they are lucky with the um, draw in Copa del Rey, I'm thinking about, for example, uh, Osasuna Athletic Club. I think they have their chances of of getting on to the final. Against Real Madrid and Barca it would be tougher, but they can do it. But against Atletic Club, I think the both teams are very very similar in many things and it would be some sort of derby also because of up on the north uh, up in the north and and yeah, they they would have their chances of of getting once again into the final as they did back in 2005 against Real Betis.
2: Fingers crossed for that because that would be a fantastic occasion. So, yeah, just talking about Osasuna's very kind of, you know, sensible spending. We're going to move on to a team who, who don't quite shop as thriftily as Osasuna do, and that, and that is Barcelona, who scraped through to um, the yeah. uh, semi finals against Real Sociedad. They were helped by a 40th minute red card for Bryce Mendes, as you said. And again, you know, Barcelona keep on winning. I think that's seven wins in a row now in all competitions, 11 wins in the last 12, and it, it's all looking really, really good for them. But Real Sociedad had a lot of chances. Alexander Solop missed a sitter. So did Carlos Fernandez. So it wasn't so straightforward. But Barcelona get the job done yet again.
0: Yeah, once again, and I think that the name of the game is once again um, Usman Dembele. His his performance was possibly one of the most impressive single handed players being able to win a game in 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 the last couple of months. I think that he was uh an absolute menace every single minute he he was on top of the pitch uh, obviously he scored the goal for barca in the in the seventh or eighth minutes in the in the second half and everything that he did had common sense behind which is actually one of the main criticisms that i have i've had for quite a while on dembele i always thought that his physical attributes and his quality were like second to none they were massive but that, as we say in Spanish, toma de decisiones, he's, mm, you know, taking choices, the proper choice in the proper moment of of the game was very poor. But he has been slowly improving that, especially under Chavi's command. And nowadays, he's actually doing them and, and taking those decisions in the perfect moment, in the perfect spot, in the perfect conditions, with the perfect teammates behind him or besides him, you know, both assists or or taking shots or or you know, his his runs in the wing, his runs in the middle, everything that he does has sense behind it, and that's why I think he was Barca's best player in in this game.
2: Yeah, he's, he's a match winner, isn't he? With the, the piece of magic he can come up with, and the goal, as as you said, you know. People were expecting him to cross it to the back post to, to Lewandowski and Alex Ramiro was probably expecting that, judging by his yeah. movement and, and he caught him out with that really clever near post finish. It's the kind of thing that sometimes goes in, sometimes doesn't and you know, you get abused but for it. But you have to
0: try. If you have the exactly. confidence and and, Des- and Dembélé has the confidence at this point you must try. And he actually did and it worked. And, and that's why uh, this is kind of, you know, the, the virtuous circle um, when you try things and, and you pull them off, you have the kind of confidence to try even more of them. And that's why Dembélé is just uh, flowing and, and flying in the last few games, because he, he has found that self-confidence that he lacked, for example, a couple of seasons ago.
2: Yes, so those are our final four. Then Barcelona and Real Madrid—a potential Clásico somewhere in there in the semi-final or, or the final, depending on how the draw goes—and Athletic Club, and also soon yeah. two real feel-good stories from the Basque Country, and hopefully we'll I, see. I have of to those.
0: say, I have to say that Real Sociedad played a great game against Barcelona too. I think that they—they yes. they never seemed the lesser team at any point in the game. They had their chances they generated danger but as you said uh Bryce mendes's uh red card was you know too uh negative on it had a too negative impact on on them it was i i believe it was the uh 40th minute so you are finding yourself having to play more than one half of of your match against barça who have Obviously, more ball possession, running behind the ball—that is going to take a toll on your on your physical uh, menta- performance. That is going to take a toll on, on your on your mentality, on your on your attitude. And it wasn't going to be easy. But even after that, I think that they were a very very uh, serious team overall. And I think that Emmanuel Languacil and his and his lads should be proud of their of their performance. A massive thank
2: you to Paco for coming on, especially so soon after that disappointing result at Mestalla. Thanks for for rushing back and speaking to us. We have some, you know, just speaking about Real Sociedad, they travelled to Santiago Bernabeu this weekend in La Liga, so that has all the potential to be a really, really good game. Real Madrid obviously second, Real Sociedad third. Also have some really entertaining looking ties, the likes of Villarreal and Rayo Vallecano. Sevilla versus Elche is, is a relegation, you know, six points are really. Elche kind of cut adrift, but if Sevilla can win that game, win their third home game in a row, they will take a big, big step away from the relegation dogfight. And we also have a Catalan derby in Barcelona versus Girona. So, plenty to be looking forward to here at La Liga Lowdown on our Twitter at La Liga Lowdown and also on our Substack at lllonline.substack.com where you can subscribe for free content emailed to your inbox every single day. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you again soon.